0: (laughs) Welcome to the Creative Minds Podcast with me, Callum Hughes.
1: Something for
0: your mind. Hello everyone, I hope you're all keeping well. With everything that's still going on at the moment. In this next episode of the Creative Minds podcast presented by myself, Callum Hughes, I'm joined by another very special guest. Just before I do the introduction about the guest, I just want to let you all know that you can listen back to the Creative Minds podcast on Spotify and Apple. You can leave a review and yes, I'm always open to constructive criticism This next episode of the Creative Minds podcast is in partnership with local independent jewellers, Gold Taste. I'm sure we're all passionate about supporting independent businesses at the best of times, especially now with everything that's going on. They are based in Birmingham's local jewellery quarter district, but they deliver worldwide. Um, They're a really unique jewellery business run by my two very good friends, Lex and Lou that take classic jewellery recipes, mash them up and remix them to the taste of the 21st century. So they do rings, gold chains, sovereigns, pendants, grills. Their jewellery has been worn by the likes of Skepta, Corrupt FM and Instagram's finest satirist, Munya Chihuahua, the man whose sketches in lockdown have kept everyone laughing. So my special guest in this episode is a guy who rose from humble beginnings to become one of the most respected, successful and well-connected figures to come out of Birmingham. He is still deservedly held in high regard as a major player, not just in Birmingham's nightlife industry, but also with his other business ventures too. He epitomizes the terms entrepreneur and businessman. He's also a DJ, party starter, works on interior design projects with the likes of England international, Jack Grealish, he is a partner in restaurants, tattoo shops, one of the men behind the legendary rock and roller spin our house parties, and no doubt numerous other projects too. So as you've all guessed, it's Ruje. so I'm just gonna bring him on now. Here he is. How we doing? Good mate, how about yourself?
2: I'm already regretting this. <laughs> <laughs> I got Lee winding me up. Oh,
0: here we go. <laughs> I was gonna say, my How's arse was twitching. I thought, is he gonna show? Is he gonna show? Oh, but right, he... I'm out, I'm oh, out, yeah. just the yeah. I made it. <laughs> L- look, Looking very uh, slick as always, mate, in that Guy Richie inspired leather chair in the background. With the logo, yeah? Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> Fair play. Slick, slick as always, rude. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, So I think first of all, it, it makes sense of everything that's going on at, at the moment. Um, just see really how you're keeping, because I know a lot, a lot of your business interests, your v- vested interests are obviously Vivid Inc, then you've got the Funky Bear restaurants, then you've got the Our House Party. So most of your normal businesses, the way they're operating, one minute's open, one minute's closed. So I mean, how have you been keeping and how has it been trying to adapt and evolve since last March?
2: Yeah, what, what a weird, weird year. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, everybody's in the same boat, aren't they? You know, if you have said to me that you'd have, this would be the worst year in business in however many years I've been in business, I would never, ever believe anybody. However, like I say, you know, everyone's in the same boat. We, uh, we can't help what's going on. Sadly, people are losing their lives. I'm not going to go into the whole uh, conspiracy thing because the, I think there is a little bit more to it, but um, I think now the vaccination's all out, let's just hope for the best that we're all uh, out of it soon. But yeah, you know, I've just been keeping myself as busy as possible, really. One thing I will I'll, I'll say before we go any further is, you know, it's given me uh, the time that I would never ever have had to uh, to watch my little girl growing up. So yeah. That's something I'll always be grateful of. Something I'll always be thankful of from this time because it's given me really a year of uh, sort of real crucial years, and I've, and I've and I've really caught some of those you know the, those milestones really. Do you know what I mean? Which, Usually, mate, with
0: businesses, it would never have happened. So, yeah, I'll always be thankful of that. Yeah, that, that's good, mate. I think you said that, and then the previous guests have had on, the likes of Will Power said exactly the same about his daughter, and then Lee yeah. Harrison said exactly the same about Ronnie. He said, because yeah. in normal circumstances, you're that busy, and you're on to the next project, the next project, you almost forget about what, what's at home. Not that you forget, but because you're so busy, it is difficult yeah. to always be there at home, isn't it? Yeah,
2: mate you know it's it's like I say it's you keep yourself as busy as you possibly can do I mean I've also I've got a few notes here by the way because I'm not getting, I'm not getting quiet on this one <laughs> I've also been um, busy doing some renovation work as well um, we, we recently opened Vivid Inc in, in Derby which uh, we got four weeks out of that in the end before we had to lock down um, but I always knew that I could go back retrospectively as soon as everything sort of closed down um, and, and Concentrate on getting the rest of the shop ready. We, we've got the main artist area ready, and then we, we've now, during lockdown in the last four or five weeks, um, we've got the back ready. So it's, you know, just just so when we reopen, when we re- 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 relaunch, we can go back bigger and stronger, you know? Yes, um, sounds good, mate. And also, Funky Bear Solid Hall as well. We start, we've we been trying to sign a deal on that um, for so long now. Um, we've locked down and this, that, and the other, we just haven't had the time. Um, To get it through, then you know, solicitors were uh, were were on furlough and this, that, and the other, and God knows what. Then we all then we came back, and then lo and behold, everything opened up again. They literally signed the contract the day that we we were forced to close again, and that was what four months ago, five months ago. So we've got a restaurant there ready to go. Um, Very, very excited about that site as well. I think it's going to be a really, I think it's going to be exceptional. We've had a great response really good feedback Um, and that's something I'm really excited about but yeah I'd say it's it's given me the time to really concentrate on the renovation of that place and it will look probably twice as good
0: as it would if I'd have only had three weeks to get ready does that make sense yeah yeah it's been good mate it's been good yeah I know what you're saying it's interesting though, because in normal circumstances, obviously people look at you and, and your success, and they think, oh, you know, yourself and George or whatever parties are involved, think, oh, you know, you you, you purchase the property, you, you do what you need to do with the interior, then it then it just happens. But it's it's never as easy as that in in normal circumstances because there's so much that could potentially go wrong because there's so much work that needs doing. But then you add COVID into the mix, it was solicitors on furlough and everything else, it just creates a whole new area of problems, isn't it? Absolute nightmare, yeah. But um, like I say, you know, you, you, you've got to make the most of these times are in people,
2: but there are people which, you know, my heart goes out to in much worse positions, I've got people who are losing businesses, I think it's really really poor, um, the way that it's been handled by the government, there's not enough support for a lot of people out there, which you know, they might, they, they, you listen to their briefings and they think they're doing everything they can, but they're not. There are people who are sitting no. through the cracks, And for me, it's more about um, the people we employ. Uh, I I, I just couldn't have it affecting, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And We've managed to stay afloat and get them paid and uh, their furlough coming through. Because the government want people to pay furlough and stuff, but then they're not paying it in time. (laughs) on time when they're saying they should. So it's just been real, real difficult. But like I say, you know, I look around and and, um,
0: I'm just thankful that we're at where we're at. Hopefully... Get this thing there. Yeah, f- fingers crossed, mate. I'm sure the uh, the comeback. I'm, would t- start. I'm sure it, I'm sure it'll get ten times more interesting, yeah, mate. I'm trying to talk so that the, the, all that stuff. Comes <laughs> out. But yeah, go the pro- out. you you would have been alright a couple of months ago when there used to be a one hour limit on Instagram lives, but unfortunately, yeah. mate, they've taken that limit off now, so it's never yeah. ending. So you can talk we're for an right. hour and then that. Got alcohol, we're all right. Yeah, all good, <laughs> mate. Uh, before, um, obviously, we discuss the, the success you've experienced, um, I wanted to go back to, I mean, basically like your younger years, um, you know, yeah. even like your, your teenage years before it all um, started off. So, I mean, when you were like, growing up, did like, did you have a family that like was business orientated? Because or, I know you said in another podcast you come from like really humble beginnings. In is it yeah. Neutrals where you, where you grew up? Neutrals,
2: yeah, Masonette. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. My my, my dad's one. Uh, I mean, my dad was a caretaker. Um, in in a in a, in a block of flats, and a Masonette. We lived there. It is what it is, you know. We we he, he did the best that he could for us at the time, I suppose, but. Um, in a nutshell, yeah, he, he's taught me how not to parent. I suppose my mum and dad split up when I was like eleven. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that was kind of like the the, the motivator for me to see how my mum, when I was eleven, sort of take the reins and go right, okay, you know, I mean, I've got to look after you kids, like me and my brother. It was full of time and, and watching her struggle and stuff, but. I suppose, you in know, a, in, a, in a way, like, I just, I just don't want that for, for my family. I don't want to see how much struggle. And mm-hmm. I just always sort of, I don't know, I, I kind of look back at them times a little bit, when times weren't great. And um, I suppose it's the first man a little bit, you know? Yeah. But then what I will say is, I think my dad's also the reason that I'm so into music. So, you know, he, uh, he likes to drink my dad. He'd come home from a pub at flipping Eleven o'clock at night, uh, be blasting out Motown, um... So Mate, at least he
0: got back a lot earlier than you did, though. I mean, 11 p.m. I bet it's a lot no, earlier no, than what you. you
2: know. <laughs> <laughs> Just about getting out then. <laughs> but yeah, so you know, he he listened to it was he'd always listen to like disco, Motown, all that kind of stuff. And uh I, like he'd, he'd have obviously, but everything was vinyl then, and and I, I used to get the needle and listen through the increments of the tracks and play the music. And I suppose it it was kind of like that's where it all started. Began for me one of my earliest ever memories of music. You know, Axel F
0: at Beverly Hills Cup, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That track, you remember playing that and be like, What's that? And like, <laughs> at the time, that was like as much as dance got, and it was just like this old buddy popping thing. And that's kind of probably my earliest, I think that's my earliest memory of music, yeah. You know? I know yeah. you're. I know you're a lot more public now because it, it was always that hidden mystery, like how old is Ruja, yeah, You know, but obviously <laughs> n- now I, I think to, uh, I think I had about five thirtieth birthday parties in clubs. I think it's because now you don't mind because you've aged quite well. You don't mind saying, oh, actually I'm 43 because I still look about 35. So, it's, so, so you'll take <laughs> that, but but um, you know with um, you saying there it was interesting like you had your your father who was like the musical influence but then also because you were from like a humble background it's that kind of observation where I mean some people come from a privileged background so they're kind of they have a better education they want that naturally they're more likely to do well whereas with you it's almost like in a way without being cliche you were born with like that mindset where you think some people from an early age they don't take a step back and think that's not how I want yeah. my life yeah. to turn out and for my daughter and obviously your, your partner now to to go through those struggles but it's almost like when you have more of a humble upbringing it gives you that added drive and hunger to want to do well and then 100%. yeah 100% and um, yeah
2: I think like I say you know my mum did the best she ever she possibly could and I love and respect for that um, but yeah people always it's always easy to look at someone who they deem as successful and think okay well it's come from money, you know. You hear, you hear it a lot, you know, yeah, yeah. In this kind the of world. But but I do okay. And um and like I say, I think that comes from that that ethic comes from just like I say that 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 background really. I just want to give to my, my daughter. I want to give her a little bit of a better start in life, you know. And not yeah. everybody has got that kind of uh, drive, I suppose. So I kind of wanna what well, everything I do now in this in, the, in these days in this age. I want sort of to sort of rub off on, on, on Romy, you know. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, I've, I've got it all in my head already, exactly what we're going to do. <laughs> we'll probably end up going off and being a copper. <laughs> 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 I know what I'm going uh, So, yeah, I think it's just, yeah, I, I, I've always liked nice things as well. So, to get nice things, you have to earn. Of course, you know, mate, yeah. And uh, I, I believe in the... Um, the secret, run the burn. I, I I studied that at one point, changed my life. Yeah.
0: Um, you know. And yeah, I I believe that 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 you know work hard enough, dream hard enough, and, and anything's possible. I just, yeah. I a lot a lot of you said there though, mate, because you know you you've got nice things, but you've grafted since day one, and I feel like nowadays, I mean, I'm only 26, but I mean I've got a younger sister and a younger brother. And I feel like even more so that generation, there's this culture that's emerged where there's this almost at times self-entitlement where you expect it to be handed on a plate, but it's not how it is. If you want to live beyond your means and have these things that you really can't afford, it's a bad trap to fall into. Whereas if you, you're you willing to do literally any job that comes your way, you earn your stripes and you graft, then with enough patience and determination later on down the line in, in years to come, you definitely... Can end up in a position like you have, you know, coming from a masonette to, you know, living where you are now. So Jack of all trades. I'm just looking at all the, uh, the
2: things coming through, Shelley or attraction manifestation. Yeah. So they're all on secret thing. <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, you know, honestly, I, I, I'll tell you that story. Um, a friend of mine, Tony Ranger. He I'll never forget. He pulled up in his Range Rover. I was still promoting events back then. That uh, Andy Bell, who's now doing a lot of stuff with Viva Warriors. Yeah, Ziva. yeah. We were promoting a night called Promised Hidden, and um, uh, basically he calls up in this Range Rover, he's like, and I'm like, wow, black tape, black wheels, monster. I was like, I want like that, I'm having it. he's like, uh, selling it for 11 grand. I was like, 11 grand? That's cheap. Where am I going to get 11 grand from? <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and then I, 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 I was introduced to, to, to that. Like a lot of people are saying that they're, they're all tracks and that kind of stuff. And I, and I watched, I watched the like book reader. I watched the DVD. And I, and I thought put this to, to good to good use and it's you know, manifest what you've seen in what the universe will give it back to you and and genuinely I think from that moment my life changed. Mm. I was doing all the club stuff, I've done a little bit of acting, um, you know, and but it was kinda of not going anywhere. So yeah, I think that's kinda of where it all sort of started and and I believe in it. I yeah. don't sound like a crazy
0: weirdo. No, yeah. it's true mate, it's true. I mean I'm I've got all that on that board there because yeah. I think if, if you look at it and you tell yourself it's going to happen and like you say, you work hard enough, you're humble, you grow your network and you just stick at it day in, day out, eventually, you know, nothing's guaranteed in life, but like I've met enough people, and I'm sure you have, that have the work ethic, they have like almost like a natural talent, but if you haven't got that mindset, then normally that is what's going to hold you back. Because the, yeah, the, almost like the, the mental strength is almost like... It, that, that's the most important thing a lot of the time, is being able 100%. to, like, take those knockbacks and struggles that you probably had years ago. And even with COVID now, you know, you've had enough hurdles and barriers you've had to try and you overcome. Just be positive, you know. I
2: say this to lots of people, just be positive. Because, you know, I go on Facebook, it's such a... Um, it's just a... It's just a I, I need to see my head going when I go on Facebook and I just see like what people are writing. Instagram is more about you know it's more about imagery and photographs you you see the photograph before the text and I think with Facebook honestly it's just a breeding ground for negativity I I it after the first lockdown for 8 weeks and I I don't know why I went back on if I'm being honest I'm in a real real Catch 22 where people are and I I, I don't get it but people are interested in what I'm doing people want to see, you know, um, my family life, I want to see what's going on in business, um, So, and also I was doing a lot of live streams, doing a lot of uh, charity raising and stuff through the live streams, so I had to go back on there, but honestly, the, the, the eight weeks or so I've spent away from there.
0: feel unreal, don't you? You feel unreal yeah. when you come off it, yeah.
2: Yeah, true. I was on Instagram, I believe, no fucks, I come off that as well. Yeah. But um. But yeah, you know, it's it's just it's just during these times, I think if you've got a negative uh,
1: mindset, mm. you, that, that's what that's how you're gonna live your life. That's yeah. how you're gonna go. That's how your week's gonna
2: go. You have just gotta think above. Just think above it all and, and be a little bit more positive.
0: You know? <laughs> it's like it's like I, I get that a lot of people have been through really hard times, whether that's emotionally, financially, mentally, uh, physically. I mean, some of those have been almost like amalgamated into one. For some yeah. people but it's almost like for, for me personally it's since covid it's given me a chance to like reevaluate and look at like my strategy you know wh- what do i need to improve on you know I, I probably wouldn't have even started this podcast and this podcast for me has been rewarding because i'm learning from people like yourself or my other previous guests and one thing i'm sure you'd agree with is just for anyone from this i mean it's easier said than done now because we're like a year almost a year into this pandemic and hopefully it looks like things are starting to improve, but you can't just throw in the towel because, you know, when things get back to normal, you're going to be playing catch up. And then um, Alistair Campbell made a good point, you know, where Tony Blair's spin doctor from back in the day when labor yep. were like decent, he did a podcast with Frank Warren and he My said, friend. you know, I've worked in governments where there's been crises, whether it's the Iraq war or whatever else, but the reason why it's relevant is all crises come to an end at the moment, it might seem at times like oh, there's no light at the end of the tunnel because you're not being given specific dates. But what you've got to work towards is knowing that eventually, yeah, this is going to come to an end. It's not like your entire life is going to be stuck in COVID. It is frustrating, don't get me wrong, because there's a lot of things you want to continue and push on with, things I want to do and a lot of other people. But you've just got to just keep chipping away. Even if it's not the normal level you were at before, just keep chipping away and doing what you can. Well, that's what we've done. You know, we've spent the time. Don't be wrong. I've spent a lot of time at home more than ever,
2: um, but I have spent uh, a lot of time sort of, you know, dissecting the businesses each individually. How can we improve? Uh, what can we do to make things better? How can we get a better taste at the restaurants? We've now um, took on a prep kitchen because we've now got, you know, three restaurants. We're looking at other sites. So to expand, you need a prep kitchen. So we've utilise used the time to sort that out. And then look at a franchise model so we can start franchising the Funky Bear is, is what's going to gonna happen soon. Um, if we didn't get the break, we wouldn't have done that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can stop, you can crumble. Don't be wrong, you know, people will be sitting there thinking, well, yeah, it all costs money. But not necessarily, the money will come next. You know, mm-hmm. you can still plan all of this, you can still go back retrospectively and, and look into putting
0: these things into place. But now it's about planning, um, resetting, and going again yeah definitely mate I like your point about social media though because uh, I'm sure you've probably been in a very similar position to where I had Hannah once on a couple of weeks ago and she was saying you know there's always going to be people that will make comments about your background when they know nothing about you I suspect over the years like you were saying before people make this assumption that oh Ru's had inheritance or he's come from money but sooner or later you know you you just laugh in the end because you think you know what let them think that yeah. And, uh, the new in, in, in great world. It, you know, it's not a place where I'm massively known over there, and and I'll get talking to people, and I was driving a nice car at the time,
2: and I'll never forget walking in and even all these different stories. Um, <laughs> I, I grew up in East mansion in the middle of nowhere. My, my parents are uh, really posh and rich, and. I was a, I was a castaway. They like, give me all this money. i <laughs> <laughs> I've got Drug dealer as well. I'm a drug i
0: only on. <laughs> So yeah. I'll come and grab that weed off you later though, bro. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> <to go anywhere. laughs> crazy, isn't it? Like the the stories that people tell. You think, you know, if you put as much energy into making these stories up about me, you know, invested that in your own projects, mate, they'd probably be multi-millionaires if they invested that much time and energy. Yeah. It's crazy. No, it's true, mate. It's I'm glad true. I'm glad to hear that you came off Facebook though, because I did send you a friend request, mate, and because you didn't accept, I was crying myself to sleep no, thinking, really? oh, really who hasn't No, I'm only joking, mate. <laughs> okay, mate, I'll let you I'll make some space. Fucking <laughs> you know. hell. But um, I wanted to come on next, like the, the early years when you were, I suppose, hustling in a way, not like, really making those connections to get your foot in the door in the music industry. Um. Yeah. How different was it back then? Because obviously there's no social media. Um, and did you prefer it back then, you know, the way you had to go about things to get your foot in the door? Yeah, I mean, I, I, like, I like people to have to work for their... Uh, to work to win, I suppose.
2: And I think I've had this conversation a few times with, with a few people and on a few podcasts. So, you know, back in the day, you really, really had to um, go out there... Poster. this is my early years of like promoting and stuff. I'd literally be posting, um, you know, Motorway Island, I'd be posting Broad Street, I'd be postering, just to that po- just being an absolute nose to the council, doing whatever you could to get noticed, you know, it, was, it became, it was almost at one point, like a, a poster walk, mm. you know, it was fuel us, um, and everyone would go out and like poster over each so there's posters, it was freaking nuts. Um, so yeah, and, and I mean then, you know, you had to literally physically go, it, it was face-to-face networking, you had yeah, to, go yeah. to every single night of the week, uh, I even moved to Hagley Road just in an apartment, just so I could go out and do what I had to do, Yeah. Um, you had to view people's faces, CD dropping, round shops all day, every day, you literally had to sleep to bring, bring your events, you know, yeah. um, you had to find the biggest acts, the biggest lineups, um, and I'm sorry of, I'm going back years
0: here, you know, this isn't even like the time. What work. year is that?
2: You always get stopped when people ask Because like it was 1991 last week, I think. Um, (laughs) I don't even know.
0: Early noughties.
2: Yeah, probably yeah. Yeah, because I started promoting. uh, The steering wheel was my first proper gig, you Mm. know. (laughs) Thank <laughs> You've yeah. so many people. I've been a bit lax promoting this podcast today, but you know, you reach so many people just by putting one thing up one day. Yeah. So for me I think I prefer the old the old the old style I think it's much more fun. There's a lot more competition. Yeah.
0: You are right though mate because i think especially back then you saw like who was the cream of the crop and who was properly invested you know to, to physically put yourself out there I, I know it's good in ways that you can do it from a phone now whether it's through working out the algorithms and the marketing behind facebook and instagram but you know actually going out there face-to-face networking i think has definitely been lost and i think that's where a lot of up-and-coming people now where they go wrong because they rely so much on social media rather than making that effort to, to go down to a night that you want to DJ at or or yeah. promote for. And you imagine, like, even though now you've got your other business interests, you probably still get God knows how many messages of people saying, oh, I've got a mix for our house, and you'd be like, oh, have you actually come down to the night? And they say, nah. You know, you've got to make that effort to actually go down and support. It's hard, mate. I mean, people, people, I mean, these days...
2: No offense to, to, to DJs coming through, but it's not hard to become a DJ anymore. You know, back in the day, you, you had a set of
1: techniques. I'm not going to be that guy who's like, oh, yeah, you can mix on a CDJ. Yeah, You're yeah, yeah. Do. But there's a lot more, uh, it's a lot hard, more hard
2: work in mixing on. And, uh, you know, you, you couldn't just go on an MP3 site, but now people will go on the top 10, like low step uh, download is top 10. Uh, it takes 10 minutes and they've got low-steppers
0: top 10 tracks yeah, yeah.
2: back in the day you know you were at record shops in London in, in Manchester Birmingham wherever in basements cradle, um, searching for, for vinyl mm. just to be able to play the best tracks so you had to be in with the crowd you had to be on record labels promo lists you know you had to fight to really be that, that top level DJ these yeah. days just don't know the things to MP3 I don't you know I'm not knocking that but all I'm trying to get across is, uh, it's a lot easier these days to become a DJ, and I like to see the real, the rawness of it. And, yeah. and You go out there, and, and want to be a part of that thing, you know?
0: Um, I don't miss that, <laughs> I don't miss that. <laughs> um, yeah, It's like I say, I just know how I was when I wanted to become a DJ. Yeah. You've got to grow, you've got to support, you've got to know the music, you've got to know the people, and you've got to be in people's faces. And if you're not, you haven't worked hard enough. Yeah, totally agree. Mate. It's a good point you made there. And then um, Joe Hunt said the same. I mean, I've done a lot of work for shorters over the last few years. You know, the DJs that are still around now, like, um, I know you've come away from it a bit compared to how you were years ago, but you know, you still DJ now. Um, you know, you Joe Hunt, you Tom Shorters, those kind of DJs that, you know, been collecting records, going, say, not just Birmingham, but Manchester, London, like sourcing those records that nobody else Had, and that's what makes you stand out from the crowd. If you're just playing the same Beatport top tens as every other DJ, then you know you might have five minutes of fame in Birmingham, but sadly, you know, that longevity isn't really gonna happen, definitely, mate. But um, coming on from that, so you said steering wheel was was the first one because Joe said, like, you I think you booked in, didn't you, uh, back then, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but where? you know, sure, sure you know. <laughs> That was another mystery as well Because I thought, you know what You can't ask a woman their age But you can't ask an old school promoter his age either So I thought, no. do I ask Joe his age? And I think I found out in the end I think he's, you know what I still can't remember how old Joe is It's a mystery yeah, He's probably older, than me. He's about 44, 45 Yeah, right, so, something like that so. um, But you, you know, after steering wheel Where... Did it take off from there? Was it kind of like that was the brand and then were you DJing for other brands and then you started like spinning rock and roller at the same time or? Yeah, well no, spin <clears throat> sorry, Sliver
2: World well changed to Hidden. Right. Um Eddie was promoting uh Eddie Eddie was basically uh promoting Hidden. He came in, I thought I was gonna get kicked out of my out, and he was like, right, uh I want you to do Friday night, so I went to create an event which is like aimed at bungalow people. Because we're going um, to do Peruvia on Saturday night. So I want you to do a Friday night. It's going to be aimed at, you know, by the, say, like the, the clique. So I call it the clique, the clique. Um, and we'll booking like DJs who are kind of semi-getting there, not quite there, like as an artist. Yeah. Um, but, but sort of renowned. And then we, we book a load of resident DJs and it's fucked
0: off. Who were you booking like, back then, yeah. Roo? Who were you booking oh, back then? Who was a booking?
2: Yeah, yeah. who we had like people like oh god like i say it, it, it was quite a, it was a current thing at the time it wasn't really about big artists that wasn't when we did the saturdays it got to that level but the fridays took off, off like huge we um there was a lot of competition who i was resident for on friday which i had to leave my residency and then almost be in competition with this is a trouble with the club industry you know you're never going to please everyone yeah it's hard because um, you had to kind of be a little bit ruthless to get to to get what you wanted yeah of course mate to give up two residents on a Friday to so essentially put an event which would which complete competition with them um, just to keep my foot in the door hidden we did really well the Saturdays did do really well Eddie ended up leaving and giving me Saturdays uh, <laughs> or, or Sydney gave me Saturdays you are in the venue and we did an event called Promise now that was the one where I would say I started to really kind of make, um, you know, a name for, for myself in Birmingham because I was booking people like Junior Jack and kid Cream. No one had ever booked them in Birmingham. Um, I got Sandy Rivera, Alison White, who became a resident. Seamus Haji from Big Love Records, and then Tall Room um, gave us the uh, exclusive residency. Defective Records gave us the exclusive residency. We booked um, Martin Solveig. Mad know Most precious love Yeah that. First time he ever played it Was at Hidden Fucking um, hell I remember him dropping it And being like Wow that's fucking true Um <laughs> like <laughs> so, You know to this day, It's an absolute classic um, So yeah you know It's uh, we, we, we booked like I could say Some of the biggest names in, in, in the uh In the world of music Then And it the, kind of All sorts of take off And then we, we Then came with the Mud Club uh, Mud Club was way ahead of its time, we, we really introduced the Dirty Electro kind of sound to Birmingham um, and we, we kind of become the pioneers of that sound, Yeah. Our family bell created a name for ourselves, Too Dirty, mm. um, and we played on four decks and like, you, you know, again that real dirty sort of tour room sound, and, um, and like I say, everyone come to Hidden and then Mud Club was at the Moon Lounge, probably about, I don't know, um, 300 capacity whilst so it was yeah. But you knew everyone was going to be there at the time. Everyone's on the same level. Everyone's in the same. Everyone's thinking exactly the same. And it was just an amazing, amazing
0: night. Yeah, yeah. about it even now. Just to give a bit of context, where where were these places? Because I mean, I know some of them because I didn't move here till about five years ago. So obviously that yeah. was that was before. So some of them now are either boarded up or they're charity shops or whatever else. So what? Where were these places? Right,
2: okay. He used to be three levels. It used to be, what's underneath Bamboo now, which was then Moon Lounge. And then it was Bamboo. It was the middle and then it was the top floor. So it was literally, a, and it had a basement. It was massive. Massive. Um, we had some events where we put, we called it the Bamboo and Hidden Super Club. And we literally had the whole venue open. Um, with DJs on every floor, head candy on one floor which was huge at the time. And then we had like defected on the top floor and then um, different brands in the basement. And you know, we were putting through our four thousand people every week, queues around the block. It, it, was, it was brilliant, you know. It, you think back now, so what we were... Uh... Sorry, I just in not leave. Lee, Lee comment
0: there. <laughs> I'll see you later, Roo. <laughs> is Woodford,
2: yes, but, um, honestly, Mood Club was what it was, was a class, class event. And then like same, so, and then uh, following that,
0: then what come next? Um, what year are we at here, mate? Roughly? You know, I don't even know. 2005, I reckon. Okay. 2005. Just a bit of bit of context. I was just starting secondary school, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't even think. Do you know what, mate? The problem is everything is a blur. Yeah, I yeah. Have, I had to write some stuff down. here. In fact, so let me just go and put my, my my uh. My notes, because I'm going to need them. I've tried, to, I've tried not to use these yeah. notes. Here's My a question, notes. though, for you, Rue. You know, in terms of the transition from how the culture was back then, because like you say, there was nights on in the week where it was Ramo, it was popping. Then you had your Fridays, which were busy, your Saturdays. Yeah. Do, do you think in terms of, like, the culture change, do you, think it's sort of, do you think it's a combination of, like, even pre-Covid, money is tight for people with the economy. Not everyone's got the money to be able to afford to go out, your friday nights your saturday so people are a bit more selective about what nights. and do you think the council and that you know the tightening of restrictions has made it harder what what do you think it is about
2: how it's i don't, know. I, I don't think it's any of that i think it's music right i think i think when we're talking 2005 to, to 2010 was when i was doing my you know the, the biggest events i've done rock and roll kind of come into that era as well um house music was huge House music was huge, you know, like, it, you put Radio 1 on and every track would be like a big piano on track. Put Radio 1 on and that, it's all R&B. It's mm-hmm. all over. Don't worry, I like that music, I listen to it when I'm driving and stuff, but it's it's not what I want to go and listen to in a club.
1: Yeah. Um, and it's difficult to find in places now, you know, like I say, when we were doing rock and roller, there was probably, that was kind of the, the warehouse sort of uh, era sort of crept in and everything was about big warehouses, well, there was a warehouse project, um, there, was, there, was, there, was the, there was the Rainbow
2: Warehouse, you know, Rock and Roller, for example, was in uh, Under Arches, the Arches of Digworth, you know, we're talking, it was literally uncovered, um, we did this event, Mickey Slim, uh, Will Bailey, now Losefer, um myself and Alex Schmitz all did this event together. Um, bit of a mentally mcdonald pulled together and away look lads i want to give you a 12 weeks of summer let's do it under the arches what do you reckon so we were looking it i mean between the four of us we got some trade when it comes to putting names we were like yeah no brainer yeah but then this is like the middle of like the, the uh, middle of the night but we forgot you get rain <laughs> <You're right. laughs> and the first event was amazing we had sonny federa uh, opening for us It was it was a uh, amazing night, like I say, it was all under the arches, the sun was rising, <clears throat> there was no there was no roof. It was like space to be some of nah. the old space to be so you probably won't remember that. No, no, nah, nah, Don't much? remember
1: mine. <laughs>
2: But um but yeah and then all of us and was, I mean this is just going back to I'm just trying to sort of give an example of where people were at yeah, the yeah, days. Yeah. People that have been to Miss Money Pennies, people have been to a bush guard to to you know hit a bamboo. Hmm all dressed to the nines but then they're coming to this dirty
0: You think it's man. a different kind of experience like because yeah, you yeah, offered that so, different it's kind it's of right, experience you know what I mean yeah and then I'll never forget
2: the one night I think Joe what was playing I think it was Joe and it started absolutely pissing down at 5am it's daylight <laughs> and everyone just carried up dancing it was a madness thing there's a video on YouTube of it now and it's saying like, it's <laughs> unbelievable i was like what's going on <laughs> but yeah I mean just getting back to the original thing. I think, yeah, I think the music has a huge thing to play yeah, these days, yeah. and because the, you know, a lot, it's it's gone very R and B led. Um, I just don't think it has that that people don't have that desire and that passion to go out and dance to it as much as they used mm. to. You know, if, if you walk into the arcade, and it would be absolutely popping. Like yeah. All the clubs have been queues around the block. Now, if people say to me now, where should I go? The Harrison's event.
0: Yeah, sorry, yeah. So, True.
2: Go to because there is nowhere else
0: to go you know mm. so um, i had the conversation with lee about mobile phones and the dance floor and he said from from anyway, a commercial perspective it helps but i feel like in the underground scene it has he remember, he remembers that night. <laughs> it, it has created um like a bit of fragmentation on the dance floor i mean whenever i do like the, the odd party i like for people not to be on their phone because you create more of a natural connection between people when people aren't Trying to get the best video or the best photo. Instead, they're actually living in the moment and experiencing it. But times have changed, mate. So. Yeah, it, it you know, I, I get it. You know, every, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same thing. how no, you know, you, anywhere you go, everyone's got a phone. Everyone's on their phone. Everyone's. It's, it, 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 it's, sad, but the, the worst of it is, we all do it ourselves. Yeah, of course we do, mate. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's just how technology moves on, and it's where we're at in life. Say that again, mate. I wasn't. <laughs> sorry, I wasn't listening to you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, but yeah, like I say, you know, it's, it's just the way that life evolves, and, and it's just, it's quite sad really when you think about it. But at the same time, it's almost like people. You see, sometimes I used to laugh. I'd wake up on a Sunday morning, so I don't really do a Saturday night anymore for my DJ or anything going on. And if, if you go on a certain girl's story. It's not like you were there with them. It's <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's mad. Yeah, Okay, <laughs> I mean, I you know, it's it's the same with anything, even parenting, you know. The amount of times I stick a phone in, in Romy's face, and I'm like, what am I doing, you know? Yeah. But you kind of want to save that, capture that memory, I suppose.
0: It's just where we're at. Yeah, it's true, mate. You know, you are saying about Sonny Federa, because obviously he's absolutely massive now. When you were booking those kind of artists back in the day, because I know you had some serious residents, never mind yeah. the headliners... See, because you have that kind of vision and your observation like with business, but also with music about who you you know is probably going to go all the way, who were the kind of artists you were booking back then which you kind of knew between yourselves, like they're going to be big in future? Yeah, Dan,
2: Dan Eats Everything. He's gone, it's huge. Yeah, he's yeah. On One stuff. Uh, I think I got the first booking to James Hyde from Birmingham as well. Um, we had example as well, but I mean he was he was kicking out number one to that point. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we brought example to the uh, Rainbow Warehouse, 2,000 capacity. Now he was selling out arenas, he was selling out um, you know flipping out football stadiums at the time. Mm. But he agreed to come and do this intimate gig for Rock and Roll, and no one believed it was going to happen. I'd rather say probably hands down one of, if not probably top three events I've ever done. Yeah, so yeah. He literally brought. It's yeah, like that night. I, I don't think I've ever seen it in the club the energy in that room that night was unbelievable. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, there's a there's a there's a number of. People. I mean, even Will Bailey, you know, he was our partner in rock and roller, and look at him now, Lo Sepa, absolutely smashing it. You know, he's, yeah, he's yeah. so well after himself. He's just on the radio on a central mix and uh, lockdown in, so I, I felt bad for
0: him. But it, when we re, when we go again, it, it, it'll all open up for him. Yeah. So, no, nah, definitely, mate. I'm tra- I'm trying to think off the. T- I'm trying to think off the top of my head, the name of that example tune. Um, it was one of his earlier ones. No, nah, it wasn't Love Kicks. It was before that. It was the one where he pull. He tells a story where he pulls the bird, and he and he falls asleep, and he meets a fit for-, for like a pizza. But it, he's like a proper storyteller tune. Can't remember, mate. You just, you just knew he was gonna pull a crowd. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> massive one as well
2: it, it's so interesting
0: though it's we interesting what well. say that again mate we had, we, had,
2: we had Miss Dynamite as well Miss Dynamite come and play mad well, she uh, come and done a little that was at Sandwich that was another brilliant venue yeah yeah uh, about a thousand people for that it's just mad you know you think yeah. back at
0: some of the people we've had yeah you know they were the days yeah uh, man, I, felt, I first remember listening to Miss Dynamite I think it was, she did the, one of the main tunes I was tunes. going quietly hey Ryan how <laughs> that's the one you're talking about is it won't go quietly I'm not going to YouTube because we're in the middle of a, middle of a podcast but uh, <laughs> I'll do it once, once I'm done and we'll do a part two just about examples discography <laughs> but um, now it's interesting what you were saying there though about you know normally example was playing massive venues and arenas in terms of you drafting some of those artists in, was a lot of it you building kind of authentic relationships with either the artist or their management and their agents? Because, you know, not everyone can pull in an artist, like Example, to do more of an intimate gig when they're used to selling out stadiums and that.
2: Yeah, like I say, I think it's a mixture of, you know, you had four of the main players in Burnham at the time. Mickey Slim doing his own, he was huge. You know, he had tracks himself in the top ten and... Um, low Sepa, as i said he was doing tours all over america at the time i was doing a lot of the Birmingham stuff like i said i had the i had the contracts with defective records with tool room um and then Schmitz. Alex Schmitz you know he, he knows a lot of people he's a bit of a music geek and uh between the four of us we just had that pull mm. so yeah, us between friends the example thing was a friend thing through mickey um we had majestic do a lot of stuff as well we used to jump on all the for stuff with us um, yeah, you know some of the some of the a lot of the people we had for rock and roll are audio bullies and things, people like that. It was it was more of a friend, more of a kick thing. Yeah, but yeah. Rock and roll it became such a name and a brand after the twelve weeks we had to carry on. It ended up lasting for three years. Club politics played paid a price and it ended
0: sadly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know. Everyone wanted to play rock and roll. That's what. That's kind of where it. You know what 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 happened with that one. So. Yeah. Now it's quality, mate. I think it's it's a good point you made there. Because I mean, obviously, without blowing smoke up your arse you know, you're well known, you're respected, you had a decent network yourself. But if you've got a good crew around you, where you know you, you can draw net networking contacts from there, then like you say, you had Mickey Slim who could draw contacts. You know, it, you don't have to have necessarily a massive crew, but even if between three or four of you you've got contacts from here, there and everywhere, you can end up pulling stuff off that, even if there was a crew of 10, because they haven't got that contact and network between them, they might not be able to do what even four of you could do.
2: that's the thing as well, back in the day, you know, that's how you you had, you know, the the, the events. It kind of started the men between the boys, because if you didn't have them contacts, you didn't have, you know, you, you didn't, have the, 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 the knowledge the how to how to get these guys. You couldn't. It was yeah, yeah, down. yeah. But what he found as well is a lot of artists would only play for one promoter. So between us, we kind of at the of The crop really. We we had we had everyone wanted. So um, but rock and roll was more than, than just the, the the artists, the DJs. I think it was even more about the music really. Just yeah. That whole all together. Um, and it was it was a very Birmingham. Um, Sort of event, you know, a lot of these these events that we we talk about, lot um, money, pennies. It'd be people from all over. Rock and roll was such a booming go, thing. It was brilliant. It really really was. And then we ended up doing uh, Eden and the Beach it Created such a with it. Created so much noise. Eden were doing on um, Sundays, and then they wanted us to do a Friday, and rock and roll became within the first season. A uh, it became the workers' party, and everyone used to come down. and we had some huge uh, huge lineups tiny temper um, nah. of them, we, had some, we had some real real Tom Zanetti as well and yeah, was that of course absolute fucking havoc <laughs> uh, yeah so we, we, had, we, had, we, had some, we had some real real wicked nights nice and events we ended up doing space as well with rock and roll out we in the back room at Pasha nah. you know it's one of those things you know it's like when you do this podcast it's it's, it's quite it's quite open. it's very humbling you know yeah saying, you don't really talk about
0: these things anymore. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm more business oriented these days. I still do, the, you know, some of the festivals
2: and stuff. But when you look back at the stuff we've done, it's like, fucking hell, did we do that? You yeah. Know, it's like, it's just mental
0: an when you think about it. That's been one of the most That's rewarding the things for me. Doing the podcast, one of the most rewarding things has been, um, you know, bringing, like, yourself on and then, you know, Joe hunting loads of other people where in normal circumstances, because you're so driven, you sometimes forget to celebrate the achievements, you just constantly move on to the next big project, whereas times like these, because it's detailed in almost like your entire life and your journey, you think, fucking, I've actually done alright, you know, over the years. It's like, like <laughs> man, honestly, I love it. Yeah. But no, it's, uh, like I say, it's quite, it's quite humbling as well, just to think
2: back uh, like I say, it's not, it's, it's about a collective of people and everyone that used to to,
0: to work with Australia, so yeah, yeah, you, you know, with um, lots of spin, rock and roller, and um, the other brands as well. What What were the kind of inspiration behind those? Because obviously, um, I know that some of them you might not have necessarily created, like was spin already going and then you jumped on later on, yeah. and then but rock and roller was yours, though, wasn't it? From yeah, so yeah, so um, spin was
2: uh, an event at Studio Bay because I was a resident DJ for. And I was doing my own thing for and then Eddie basically brought me in much later. Spin was like one of the late the last thing I promoted. Right. Uh, he wanted to bring it to Sun sort of Caulfield and he wanted and he showed me um he showed me was it called Apra? I don't forget that. Apra and Bear green and I remember walking in there and being like, this is all right, you know, I think we could do well here. And um, as soon as we announced it, it went nuts like you know how have three hundred people, we'd have like five hundred people saying. So, uh, <laughs> Eddie being absolutely ruthless on the front door, you're not coming in, you're not coming in. Every head in the world turning up, threatening to kill him. Leo <laughs> um, like, for that, he, he, he did not take any shit whatsoever. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, it, just, it, it was like a very glam, it was a very glam event, you know? It was a mixture of all ages, mixture of all music genres, um, and it was just a cool event, you know? Um, but then like, you know, the other stuff, like I said, I mean, I think with the promotion stuff, if I saw a gap in the market, I used to try and take it. For example, like I said, the mug top thing, we brought that dirty electro sound to Birmingham, which wasn't really renowned at the time. Yeah. Vocal house, it was a very funky house, load theme, steam, shapeshifters, and all that kind of stuff was around at the time. And then we started playing, like, Mark Knight tracks and, like, real dirty kind of... And we started doing it at Promise. That's where it all sort of began. And then we started people started getting this, like, this, this feel for it. And then yeah. it was like, right? And then um, Tucker Disco started releasing all this electro stuff. Um, Milo dropped the pressure out. And all them kind of tracks started to come out. And we created this, this uh, after-party. Myself, Eddie Bolton, and Carl Joe, because they were running Bamboo. I was running Hidden. Um, and we just did this own, um, we got the Moneypenny's boys involved. And we all literally just brought all of our crowds into Moonlight. And we had this just after-party of electro music. And it's just something you never had anywhere else. Some yeah. people came and went, this is shit, go in. But most people came and went, this is amazing. It yeah, so huge, you have to move venues. And I think sometimes that's the problem you have, you know. You, you, you outgrow what it was, and you, you lose the kind of uh, reason why you did it. And then you yeah. go, and it's like, well, we could put a thousand people in. And that's when it starts to lose its identity, if that makes
0: sense. Nah, no, it makes that. sense, mate. Looking back in hindsight, I think a couple of times, if I could time about time, i would be like, right, okay, don't move to that venue, stay there, yeah. it's, it's good, you know, so it's one of them really. Yeah, I know what you're saying, mate, but um, what do you think, I mean, I suppose you probably just covered it there in terms of what made the, the brands stand out, considering there was so much fierce competition, was it rather than just following the trend, you saw a gap in the market wanting to implement a different kind of music policy and you thought, well, some people might not like it, but because we're offering a different kind of experience, Especially yeah. with the music, that's what made you stand out. Music and production as well. Production yeah, yeah. Production huge as well, you know. You, I hate when people put an event on, they put a DJ in the corner
2: and they charge 20 quid to get in. You know, people want that whole, uh, that whole, you use the word, experience. Um, and I think that's what we always try to do, you know. We always have the big, biggest and best live shows, pyrotechnics. Um, we always always go the extra mile and spend a lot of money on that and not just think about profit. Do you know what I mean? And like I say, also, I've mentioned before the gap, the gap in the market. I think um, rock and roll was about that real weird CD outside thing. Um, it was nuts when you think back, but it
0: worked. So, yeah, it was always kind of thinking outside the box as how we can do something a little bit different with the right DJs. And then in the later years, the right people involved, the right teams, the networking teams. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, mate. And when I had Lee Harrison on before, I know that you've mentioned him a couple of times now, you know, your likes of Eddie Bolton when you were coming through the ranks. Um, How influential were figures like Eddie as as a mentor, I suppose, in, in your life? Not just business, and um, you know when you were finding your feet, and maybe um, you know whether it's with with guidance and just going yeah. going to that next level. I always looked up to it I've got a lot of respect for him, and even so,
2: now I still do a little bit of stuff with him now in the background. And um, he was promoting a night called God's Kitchen back in the day, and uh, he was like the promoter. I never met, you know, he had this like Steven Seagal sort of slick man. I like, well And like everyone was like round him, oh, let me in, I want to get in. You know, and he started. So remember he came up to us in God's Kitchen, which, you know, it was really an amazing night. God's Kitchen was like phenomenal. Everyone had a few beers, and whatever. And, uh, you know, all these trance DJs, all Van Dyke, just something fun we've never seen and uh, Eddie was the main guy, and for me, that was like, wow, like, you've got so much power. And I always remember thinking, I want to be just like him, and uh, just watching the way that he used to um, operate, and the way that he used to sort of, you know, go about his business, the way he used to promote and market, I, I learned a lot from just watching him, really. Like, mm. um, DJing for him and doing spin at Sudie Bakers, which, again, was, for me at the time, such an amazing accomplishment for me because it was this like huge club on a Thursday night everyone used to go to and all the big boys were playing and then I was sort of having a little bit myself and it's like oh my god I'm going to play all this like big DJ. Um, so yeah I think I think what he then and then obviously working with him what he taught me was loyalty. Loyalty and, and that's one of the biggest things that he's ever taught me and, and I'll never forget. Don't jump shit stay where you are, you, you, you'll, you'll do okay, you know, so, that was like, that I'd say probably, yeah, I'd say probably the law, is law's the biggest thing you taught me, and also, just to always, no matter what happens, look after your staff, if you've had a night where you've lost a thousand pounds, find the thousand pounds, find it, pay your staff, yeah, yeah, without them, you've got nothing, and it's a lot right. of people, even in this day and age, if they're not earning, no one else is earning, and it's not the way it should be, you know, and that's why, that's
0: something he, he, he taught me but it's always stuck in my head yeah yeah Now, to be fair I, I was exactly the same I think I, I remember when I was younger when I was trying to hustle I was probably about 14, 15 doing um doing some gardening for a neighbour and my old man like clipped me because I think I took the money before I did the job like the, the guy like he was a bit of a piss head so he like gave me the money and my dad so he goes nah like you know you've got to do things properly um and I don't know it's like it, it's slightly different to what you were saying but um you know even with you know you did the the charity events you know you you still made sure that everything was covered uh you know before before things were sorted that's that it is definitely a big thing because otherwise you know you earn a reputation for the wrong reasons if you end up you know cutting especially financially is one of the biggest things if you fuck people over financially you know it's not going to bode well in in the long no, run No nah. Definitely, especially in times like these in COVID because people look back more and, you know, there are cases where I think one one or two things I've noticed with COVID is there's people who a couple of years ago who would have had, like, no time for me or a lot of other people. Suddenly the mindset changes and it's because the tables have turned. It's because when times are hard and those people need to help you think, well, fucking hell, mate, where were you a couple of years ago? Like, the times were good and you didn't, you didn't want to know. So, yeah but um the next point was i mean we have discussed um quite a significant part of your career there with the music side at what stage did you feel then that you were hungry for for a new challenge away from the music industry and you wanted to venture into different areas of business um i mean i've done everything i wanted to do you know i had
2: an amazing um, time during my party days i promoted you know, my promote, all, all the events that I did with at Blow My Trumpet were always sort of the best that they could be. We always filled them. I, I, I'm very humble to this day, and I, I still, you know, I, I, I count my blessings every day as to how many people support me and what I do in my business and anything that I'm involved in. And I, and I really genuinely do, hand on heart, appreciate everything that all the support people give me. Um, so, yeah, I think you kind of got to the point where I was like, right, I've done everything I wanted to do in that industry. I've promoted all these events, I've worked to all these DJs, I've DJed at all of these club events, I've DJed Space, Pasha, um, DJed all over the world, North Korea, South Korea. We've got
0: of- <laughs> North Korea. Yeah,
2: I you might some funny stories about
0: that as well. Um, you are taking the piss about DJing North Korea. No, I don't believe you for that one. Not North Korea, no, surely. TV. No, seriously.
1: we it a rock and roll at all. we a rock and roll at all. Never. And a, and a DJ, this is wearing
2: a pair of camo camo trousers, and I didn't realise it was against the law, but we're in this festival. I've been picked up by the driver. We're all at, had a few drinks and whatever. Turned off, got out the... Got out the I'll, I'll tell them, I'm halfway through it whilst I carry out... Got out, the, got out the car and, and they literally looked at me like we've driven an hour and a half to get to this place in the hotel they're like what are you wearing and I, and this korean guys, korean promoters, like you can't wear that I'm like why and he's like you can't wear a camera in korea i'm like why and he went you do understand that south
1: of north korea and like, yeah. <laughs> like i've just left my hotel room i'm in a great place leave me alone so get
2: excited to stay there. And then I took the top off and Jilted Water T-shirt, Do you remember Jilted Water, Jay Reed's uh, brand. He'd give us these tops to go out there and it was basically a picture of a Stormtrooper's helmet and, you know, the Star Wars, uh, the Star Wars <laughs> the logo from Star
0: Wars, yeah? And he's like, you're fucking kidding me? You've got to turn your T-shirt round." And it's like... Uh... So yeah, that was quite funny. All thing. I've got this image of is like, them doing this military parade, like Kim Jong-il, all these massive rockets, and you just DJing house. <laughs> <laughs> Prepared a few bangers, mate. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. Honestly, when you said that, I thought, nah, he's pulling my leg with that Korea story. But Lee, no, Lee no, Harrison's just... <laughs> a, mate, it's on YouTube.
2: Go to YouTube, Ru-J, Korea. And you'll see it. And you'll see my T-shirt as well, backwards.
0: Yeah. Just to confirm, when you type in Ruje Korea, not C A R W E R, put in K-O-R-E-A. K-O-R-E-A, yeah. That's the video you're looking for. <laughs> God knows what'll come up if you put C A R W E R. Oh Christ, mate, probably be probably be more entertaining than that Korea trip. What was we talking about? What was the what was the initial question? there? Oh mate, it's not a clue, not a clue, mate.
2: Business. So yeah, so yes I'm looking at it you know I've DJed a long time honestly some of the artists I've DJed with as well Eric Murillo Roger Sanchez warming up for Murillo i never forget and he's turned around he looked at me and he went that was a cool set thank you and I was like fuck He's just, just yeah yeah but yeah you know rest in peace Eric Murillo but uh, you know and then I was like well what do i do now and a lot of thought I, I don't want to pull away from the, the music industry completely but then as much as the money's good it's not consistent and I was like I need to really think now about settling down I've had my party times I've done all the, the you know chasing girls and, <laughs> and, you know, you've got to really settle down now and, and that's when I kind of started thinking more about um, family and wanting, to, wanting that, that family life and I think it was all from there really and I just thought well you're not going to find all that doing this so I started looking into different stuff um and it was really by chance that uh, Andy from Vivid Inc. Um, basically, I know his girlfriend, Kelly. And um, I think I, I was getting tattooed. I'm not going to mention any artist's name. This was at another studio in Erlington where I got a heavily tattooed. Yeah, body. yeah, yeah. And it really messed up one of my tattoos, like, really bad. And I was like, what, what's that about? And it's so oh. I happened to put a stand out, this is that thing that talks about. It. Everything happens for a reason. and the, You know, manifestation and law of attraction. I posted on Facebook that day, I need to change artists, anybody, recommend anybody, and Kelly reached out and says, go and see this guy, and basically, me and my fellow, weren't married him, my, my boyfriend's got a, a place that just opened in Birmingham, and it was filming in Birmingham, he um, looked nothing like he looks now, and uh, I went in there and there was a guy called Russell, and he was a brilliant artist, and uh, he fixed his tattoo for me. And he started doing loads of work for me. And I was sort of in between rock, uh, beats, rock and visa, and that. and that and, and, and the UK, I was backwards and forwards all the time. So when I was there, I was getting tattooed there. And it just kind of like, he had a couple of artists and I helped him fill his, his diaries through social media and stuff. And he just randomly messaged me one day when I was in the business. said, do you want to start a business with me? I want to open a shop in sun. And I was like,
0: yeah, why not? Yeah,
2: yeah. So yeah, that's where Vivian Sutton sort of Carpool was born.
0: What year was and that, mate? Eh? What year was that? Well, that was 10 years ago this March. Oh, okay.
2: So, yeah, 2011. Yeah. And, and, you know, at the time, I was still doing spin. So, Vividing, St. Coalfield was a a perfect place to launch when you've got all that huge,
0: young, you know, 18 to 30, yeah, and it was literally the first six months was all spin. (laughs) It's uh, It's funny, though, because... You were saying, I know that you've said before, like, you were heavily tattooed back in the day before it was even a cool thing, when it was probably a bit taboo, like, everyone's like, oh, who's that geezer, like, moody geezer with all the tattoos? Whereas now, it seems like, if you're not tattooed, people are like, he's a weirdo, he is. Why has he got no ink? I think you're more unique these days if you haven't got tattoos. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's like, you know, I used
2: to to have two sports leaves. Eddie, uh, when he was running bamboo, was like, Cause it was very like dressed in the nines, white shirt, like almost um, you know blazers and jeans, tight jeans and, and shoes. And I was like walking around in like six silk tops, <laughs> two sleeves and like neck. And he was like, I can't let you in like that. And I was like, come on mate. Like, I can't let you in. I've got Joe Archer over there. I can't let you in like that. And you look back now and it's like it's mad to think that I used to get refused or yeah yeah. You know, <laughs> but like you know at the time it, it, tattoos were not really known. Mm. so I'm going to take that one I think I introduced eating tattoos because <laughs> <laughs> they had no choice you know
0: what I mean the pioneer <laughs> of tattooing Roo <Ru. laughs> <laughs> but yeah as you say I never tattooed it was tattooing I
2: like hey, oh my, your dividend <laughs> <laughs> customers coming through <laughs> that's how you do it <laughs> but yeah it's um where was we going with that? So yeah, it kinda of started from there really and then um, and then from that then uh more Vivin Studios come along. Um, I think I uh, then opened Stafford and then the, the the restaurant thing came from nowhere again. Mm-hmm. i go back to that door of the tractor and me and uh, yeah. George was sat George Perfectist was sat talking in his car one Christmas you no know, one boxing day and he just turned around randomly and went, I hate that fact I've got to go drive to Manchester at five am tomorrow morning. He was working for um, the Warehouse Projects in Manchester. I went, well, don't go. If you don't, if you hate it, don't go. He go. yeah, but I've got to go, though, because, you know, it's this, it's that, and the other. So I just said, well, what, what, what else would you ever do? Because I'm looking, I've got other businesses now. What, what else would you do? And he started talking about some fast food burger, delivery thing. And I was like, well, I want a restaurant. I'd love a restaurant. And just, and that's, it all come from there. Yeah. Six weeks later, we're signing a pub. The New Mason's, great work. <laughs> Blowing you know, you saw like where'd that come from?
0: Yeah. Um but yeah, it's and that's gone really well and then from that then the funky bear come along. In terms of where you look for it's your smiley, can you cook though? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> that that's why you have all these restaurants, mate because when you can't cook if uh um... Jason mate, the funky bear's
2: banging, thank you, mate. Thank you. <laughs> like to hear stuff like that. Quality. But yeah, it's uh and then funky bear come, it'll um come along again. That was just offered to me. I've been very fortunate. I get a lot of opportunities handed my way, you know, a lot of people do say to me quite a lot, Would you work with me? Are you interested in coming on board with this? Do you want this? Some people I mean, the funky bear was a guy I knew and he had enough for the venue, he couldn't make it work, he didn't really market very heavily. Um, so I said, Okay, well, I reckon I could do a job there, we took it and, and that's that. Yeah so it's just a lot of it's about opportunity you know
0: i think sometimes you, you know with your shop so there's um recently vivid Inc. derby but then first where you had vivid ink sutton the stafford one and then with your restaurants as well where do you normally look you know like strategically in terms of areas do you look in terms of wealth or where's likely to be a hot spot what, what are those decisions that, that you make when you're looking to open somewhere new Yeah. Um I mean the the Vivian Derby was, was very uh
2: ballsy because I don't know anyone that way. Uh it's almost like recreating it. You know, in the Midlands Viving is very, very well known. Derby, not so much. Uh, mm-hmm. Same as the Lord Stafford, I like to go a little bit further afield and we start to really, really get out in some areas now. It's a new challenge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and I think sometimes I like to do it just to prove I can still do it. Do you know what I mean? It's not all about the following, which I do appreciate, by the way, but sometimes you want to know that, you know, we, we can still market. We market very aggressively. We get the uh, the right artists in, we get the right staff, um, and, and then just market in such a way, make the places look such a way. You, you know, there's, there's good curb appeal. And you want, you really, I, th- I think it's about kind of capturing the, uh, what's the word, I think it's just about capturing people's imagination and really, really, you know, let people see, just head-turning, I suppose. Yeah,
0: yeah. that over there, like, you drive through Alveston Derby, a few just pins, <laughs> pins, Yeah, like, yeah, you've got a dominoes next to a boots, but it's, it's quite a, 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 a dull street, really. Yeah, I have seen... I don't know if you've seen it. You yeah, know, it's in the picture. You've got like a William Mills bookies next to Vivid Ink, so it's almost like yeah. you, you stick out like a sore thumb for the right it reasons. <laughs> it looks like a cocktail bar. Yeah. <laughs> and you it and go, is this a cocktail bar? <laughs> Honestly, but it's about, you know, I use the
2: word just curb appeal. I think that people want to see, you know, what's what. That's the first and foremost. People say, yeah, you're it's like a goldfish ball, you know, it, they look and it's like, what's that? You've got it straight away. Up thought this big, big, big Then they go and look at what you do. Then you've got the artist to back that up. And then they follow you. And then you start hitting them with the primer. And before you know it, they want to get tattoos, you know. And it's the same with the restaurants, I suppose. Um, you know, I, I, it's not all It's not all good. We failed at, at one site already, which was somewhat hard work. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know, a lot of people have said before we started it, you know, it's, it's,
0: it's going to be hard. Maybe, maybe. me, you know, we'll do that, we'll smash that. But we didn't quite make it work, and that's probably the only real failure, I suppose. I suppose. Yeah, because yeah. Of time, but you win some, you lose some. Of course, mate. That. And then we went, we went and found solid hope. Yeah. I suppose. I suppose, to be fair, like the, the law of averages, considering how long your career's been, it's probably not so bad, is it? I mean, I know that no-one really likes failure, but overall, when you look at all your different ventures, you probably done all right, your track record. Yeah.
1: saying here
2: um, you know it's just so nice to, to see and read that stuff and even now you know I've been out the game when it comes to the club game I suppose for so many years mm. people still pop up and they're like you know hey, how are you right doing really good to see you doing well and it's just nice to see and uh, I just can't wait for the this is the this is the great thing about the funky bear selling Hole. it's gonna be a um, it's a late bar and uh, it used to be a cocktail bar. And, uh, and more of a it's a very di- different business dynamic it's very you know, different module it's more casual dining a little bit like Terafino a little bit like I propose um, Nando's without the table service um, and, and it's like an in and out eat your food at the a night time turns into a bar and where it is it's literally opposite John Lewis in a great great spot I know that it's going to attract like an older kind of clientele more yeah. than people who used to go out and out there <laughs> And uh, I'm just really excited to get that on launch because I know that, you know, just having that, it
0: kind of keeps my foot in the door with that late night. Thing. <laughs> and there will be some DJ sets going on there as well, no doubt. No. Nope. <laughs> Froze briefly there. It's all good now. Um, yeah, I was, I was interested in terms of the concept with Vivid so You've got, like, the gothic concept and then... Like the likes of the Funky Bear as well. That that's kind of what what makes them stand out. Like I say, it's that appeal because people are intrigued instantly before they've even had the tattoo or or tried the food. Where where was the inspiration from? Like you know the Gothic concept with Vivid Ink and then the the Funky Bear. Where did those ideas come about from? Okay, I think
2: I think with, with Vivid Ink firstly, um, I, I was getting tattooed in like real sort of you know, like, white tiles, like, real dentistry, almost, like, uh, sort of studios, yeah. and, like, for me, it was, like, rockers and, like, big bikers, and, for me, it's like, I kind of, that's all I knew, but I always thought to myself, well, if I ever had a studio, I'd do it more homely, I'd do it a bit more glam, and when the opportunity came up, especially where we were, I started looking into things, and I'm like, okay, like right, Chesterfield sofas, chandeliers, I mean, I'm almost... For a chandelier, <laughs> uh, you know, created this, freaking, um, this fireplace, from, uh, nothing. <laughs> and just, just mental stuff that. So it's so it's very homely feeling, but then you know the vivid colours anyway in the logo, the purple and the black works so well as a, as, a contact method, as a contrast. That anything could do really, it just, it just kind of, kind of works when you start putting all these, these things in, and. Um, just wanted again with the chandeliers it's got that curbside and it really stands out but then when people come in they're like oh my god where's that baroque um gold sh- uh, mirror from i'd love that yeah i mean yeah. like I'll, I'll get the staff ring me up man it's time to stop in uh bro, um, someone just pops in there that's where that mirror is from in the bottom of the shop and i'm like come on man <laughs>
0: yeah how how much how much should they spend on tattoos if they've had two sleeves I'll tell them where it's from if not fuck off
2: Start like looking at the interiors. And with the Funky Bear, I don't know if you've been into any of them yet, it's like a, you know, a wood stroke, uh, 1970s, you know, lamps, shades everywhere. It's very funky, it is what it says. Um, and, and, and again, with the Funky Bear, I really wanted something that was gonna to appeal to not only uh, adults, but also kids. And I think you've got a giant seven foot bear in the corner I'm not talking about George, by the way, I'm talking about <laughs> uh, You know, it really helps. Some people want to come, the kids
0: want to come, and everyone wants to picture his bear. And just a little quirky things like that, really. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's quality, mate. Uh, w- one thing I wanted to discuss as well, and obviously by no means being intrusive around um, the financial side, it's just a general statement and something I feel people need to take away, is obviously they'll look at Vividink, they'll look at the Funky Bear and think, oh, you know room must be absolutely smashing it but people don't understand the level of like initial investment that has to go into you know to make these places look as good as they are and it's not like you know you're opening week you just get all all of that back you know sometimes it it takes time and you've got to be patient i think that's the thing a a lot of people don't appreciate now you know they think i'll just start a business from instagram and i'll have this massive return straight away and i'll be sitting pretty but like you know yourself because you've invested in like actual properties and, you know, the interior and everything else, it's not just always a quick return, is it? You've got to be patient. And yeah,
2: you've got, to, you are, you've got to be patient, like you say. You can never call it sometimes. It depends what it is as well, you know. The, the profit margins in restaurants is nowhere near as good as profit margins in tattoos, for Yeah, example. yeah. So everything is different,
1: and um, I'm not the best at budgeting. Um, and my business partners will tell you this. I that People are like, what's your budget? And I'm like, oh, I don't know, 20 grand. <laughs> 40 grand like yeah. It's yeah, you, got to look a certain way. If it yeah. doesn't look a certain way, for me, it's not, it's not what, what I want. I, I'm not
2: confident in that, in selling that. So for me, yeah, a lot of it is about um, my kind of mentality is do whatever you can to get it looking the way you want it to look, and the profits will come in due course. Yeah. Um, Scrip on something, it's not going to look quite the same, and you're not going to have the same effect. You know, you want that, like, killer Bam, that looks amazing. Wow. Everyone starts sharing it. Everyone starts posting it. And you reap, you reap your rewards from that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, so, Yeah, and, and, and sometimes, you know, you go you go to things blind. Um, Rue de la Casa, uh, my holiday villa out right in Spain, southern Spain. That came again from nothing, <laughs> like literally. Um, I've just brought a holiday villa. One of my biggest goals in life was I want a holiday villa for my, for my, my family. I met Lou three years ago, Roman came a year and a half later. And, uh, you know, I've got this holiday home out in the sun, which we can use. And, I, and again, I, I thank my blessings for that. It's all finance, don't get me wrong. But all of a sudden, like, I've, I've created the, this team of, of people out there who source villas. Help with mortgages, get me bank free possessions. So they come to me, the lady who saw my villa eight, three months later, it's like, uh, Hello, Rule, do you want to come and see this villa? I'm like, Oh, God, here we go. So I go and look at this villa. Really, really like it, needed a lot of work, needed a lot yeah. of renovation. And I just went with it. I thought, you know what, go with your guts, go with your instincts, it's going to work. It overlooks a golf course, beautiful, beautiful villa, beautiful location. but, it needed so much work. But then I started looking into the financials, it's very cheap to uh, turns out to renovate a villa in Spain, yeah, yeah. And, you know, five years down the line, every season sold out and it smashes it, so yeah. yeah. Uh, just took another one on in Spain with um, George, which we're gonna that's gonna be very um, like bougie, I suppose, <laughs> uh, kind of. And I'm talking mental. I'm talking like zebras coming out of the wall. Uh, I'm talking um, zigzag uh, floors, um, loads of
1: LED lighting. Uh, live walls um, mm. It's going to be The most Instagrammable
0: villa <laughs> In Southern Spain That's what it's going to be And that's what I'm going for you know, Yeah like yeah. The, the, the Instagram girls I want them To want to go and start this It alone. works mate It works yeah. I mean you look at that, um, is it 303 kitchen In Jewellery Quarter Because they've got Those spots Where you know Girls will just Put it on Instagram Mate it's free marketing yeah. It's almost like They don't Boogie have to... shed. Yeah. Shed. yeah yeah
2: curfew and i look and i'm like wow every Mm. time i see a post i'm like that looks amazing i haven't been in there yet yeah yeah every time i see a post i know what it is and that's the thing
0: that's what makes you unique that's what makes you different you know what I mean? yeah yeah. definitely mate but um the next part i wanted to come on to was um obviously it's encouraging that nowadays there's a lot more people that aren't always sticking to the generic nine to five roles they're pursuing passion projects outside of their normal careers but without putting anyone down or discouraging anyone, you know, there's a lot of people, especially on Instagram, that are quick to refer to themselves as entrepreneurs, you know, without really understanding. To be like a proper entrepreneur is like taking the risks with either a business or several businesses, you know, to get to the level like where you're at now. Um, once again, without being intrusive about the financials, talk us through, if you can, some of those, if you had some of those like all in moments over the years, or are you more, rather than going all in, You've got an you've got an escape route if that if that makes sense. Say if something didn't always work out. Yeah. Um, again, another downfall of mine. I don't think about
2: loses. <laughs> <laughs> That's the problem. Um, and we always sort of set ourselves up in a way where yeah, I suppose there is a bit of an exit strategy, you know. Um, so yeah, it's a yeah difficult question to answer that because I'm not. I don't I, I don't think that way. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think if I'm in it, I'm in it.
0: Going for it, I'm going for it. It's kinda of like you have to, you have to have that mindset though, because otherwise if you if you don't have that mindset and take the risk, you'll yeah. you'll never step up in terms of, you know, like your um, your wealth and your I suppose your empire really. If you just sat back and thought, ah, nah, not 100 percent well it's not gonna happen, is it? You haven't decided I to Even with like the funky best handworth and I mentioned that while we failed,
2: George will be probably screaming when he's watching when he watches his back. Because we didn't actually fail, what happened was it wasn't making money, it was breaking even. Mm. And I just said to George, look, mate, like, there's an opportunity to move this somewhere else because we've got all this furniture, we've got all this branding, we can just move it somewhere where we know it's going to make money. Yeah. yeah I mean, three years, it's not making money. And we kind of moved out of there moved it all into solid hall, Yeah. And we know that'll make money. Yeah. So like I say, you know, again, that, it, that you know, go back to your original question, um, I suppose that was our exit strategy. Let's not lose the money. Let's yeah. Move it whilst we still can. And let's keep the branding. Let's move it to another place where we know we will make the money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so, of course, mate. Yeah, it's... Um, I think in business, you've got to be all in. If you're, if you're not all in, there's no point in doing it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And that's why a lot of the time, you know, you can, you can stretch yourself everything, can't you? Um, but a lot of the time, that's one of the main reasons I walk down some really good opportunities for business. Because I'm not all in. And I know if I'm not all in, it's not
0: going to, for me, I'm not going to be able to push it like I would like to. Yeah. And it's just not going to get to where it needs to get to. Yeah, no, definitely. I think if you if you think it's got potential but it's only half hearted and you're not fully invested in it and you know you're willing to push it yourself then like you say yeah. it's not going to have the same level of uh, impact as it so no, no. It's, it's interesting what you say as well about like the, the transferable items you know being able to because the branding's already there you can literally just take it all from one location to another so that's that's a really good point I mean, that is it's brewery owned you know it's a brewery owned venue so we was renting the venue so we just said
2: like let's get out know, mm. it took me weeks, months in fact to, to get George to think the same as me because he, he was all in like I'm not moving we are not giving up and I'm like look we can go earn money in Solid Hall, but I'm not
0: taking another... Written. In the end, that was a clincher. I'm not taking yeah. another restaurant on because this one's not making money, so... Yeah. It. <laughs> I, now, got my, I got my, uh, my own. It's, it, it's another um, really important point, though, because before I moved to Birmingham and was working in banking, I worked in hospitality from when I was about 15 to when I was 19. And the yeah. thing that I learned from some of like, the more respectable people that I work for is like, making sure you adequately protect yourself because you see some people tie themselves into these long-term deals, especially like you say with, if it's like either brewery owned or if it's, um, I suppose with, with freeholds, I mean you're you're going all in and you own it lock, stock and barrel. But like you say, having that exit strategy where you think if it doesn't quite work out, you can still come away from it. But when people tie themselves into these really long-term deals, it's like, well, you're tied in now. So it's uh, a bit harder, mate, but that's another good point. But um, the next point before the last few questions is um, like mental health, particularly like lot discussions between men is, is something that I'm passionate about, as I'm sure you are yourself. Yeah, and yeah. Um, I know you've had like, a really long career and um, most of the track record has been really positive, but obviously with that, you know, you said you were doing rock and roll in Ibiza, then you were coming back to the UK and it's almost like you were trying to be several places at once. If, if you had many ups and downs over the years because of like how heavily invested you are in so many things and, so much um, going on, or I'm really uh, thankfully I've never suffered with with mental health, or I've never really struggled with stuff like that because my mind's always been very engaged all the time. Mm. I don't have time to um, I I, I, I can't I suppose I'm very I'm, I'm a very laid back guy as well. So, yeah, yeah. You know, stress kind of
2: goes in and leaves straight away. with may like I'll, 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 I'll feel it for five minutes and it's gone. Because, you know, I've got people around me who really, really manifest and, 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 and they're gone. They can hear something in the morning and then, like, literally, I'm like, I know that you're going to be no use for the rest of the day now because that's, that's your head's gone. And for me, like, you can't, it can't be like that. Yeah, yeah. you really got to yeah, really, yeah. Like, really gotta think, like, okay, well, okay, it's happened. Mm. So let's move on to the next. So, yeah, I suppose the same with, you know, with these times now, very, very trying times. Mm -hmm. Um, You've just got to keep and try your best to to, to keep active, I suppose. I'm very fortunate to have Romy and Louise around me a lot, and uh, I've got the the other stuff going on. But, yeah, it's sad. Some of the stuff we've seen, some of the people we've lost recently as well, Josh, as as well, and and people like that. You know, it's it's really, really sad to see, and... um, yeah, I mean, I'll say this now as well, I've said it a few times on, on social media, if anyone ever feels they're in a way or a place where they've got nowhere to start, whether you know me or not, my, my my Instagram or Facebook inbox is always open, let's yeah. chat, there's always solutions, and that's the most frustrating thing sometimes when some of these you know people take their lives,
0: you know that, that you can help them a little bit, you, yeah, yeah. work, you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. it's like, there's always, a, there's always a solution, it's quite sad, Um. But you, but you also understand why sometimes people get to that point. Yeah, of course, mate. But no, like I say, you know, I've, I've been quite fortunate, thankfully, that have never really had to deal with that. Yeah. No, it, it's good. I mean, when you're operating at the level you are, I suppose if you were stressed out all the time, then wouldn't be any good, would it? Because, you know, you, you'd you be not mentally and physically impacted and the businesses might not perform as well because if you... You know, one thing goes wrong, you know, that it's that domino effect that it has then on the on the rest of your day and how other things are. But like you say, you know, you've got good people around you, you've got George, um, obviously you've got other business partners as well, like you say, Andy with Vivid Inc. and I suppose as well, you're probably switched on with how you know, you can delegate roles to certain people and know that they'll do a good job for you and you're not having to check in on them every half an hour or so, you just leave them to do a job and you know they'll do a good job as well. Hundred percent. Yeah. But um, the next part is when it gets a bit more interesting. So, well, to be fair, it's been interesting enough anyway. But I know you mentioned earlier on with like the success in business, especially like the promoting days, with um, you know, the fact that it is very, very competitive, um, you know, and I think you said you moved from one brand and then you were kind of like. Um, competing against them and, and Lee Harrison said exactly the same Like with Arcadian because it's that complex where clubs are attached to clubs and um, yes. I suppose really just to just to give a bit of perspective on like how competitive it actually is at times you know and, and not necessarily saying that you're ruthless or anything like that but to, to get to like a certain level of business you know you can be friends with people and be civil but the reality is you can't be friends with everyone when you know you're in business and you're you know, making yeah. moves, can you? Look, business,
2: I've, I've always said this, and I said the same to Lee, because Lee was working with this. I, I started to spin uh, with spin on Saturdays, and um, I said I said to Lee, you know, business is business, you've got to get on with it. Mm. Yeah, pissed off, because Lee was leaving us to go and do, yeah, you know, what's it called? Levana. Levana. <laughs> uh, you know, and but done my head in, and, and he know, is it done my head in. But it's uh, <laughs> business, and it's the way it is, and it's just, and it's the same with, you know, many people. You're always going to be stepping on somebody's toes. Mm. Anyone that wants to do okay for themselves, you know, you, you're always going to, you're not going to please everybody. And that's what I found a lot, you know, in, in you know, I look back now at some of the the, the, the people that I pissed up at the time, like Miss Money is Fuel, um, you know, big boys really, um, mm. but. If I didn't do that, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing today. And and, and so you've got, to take it, you've got to take a risk. You've got to piss people up. You've got to... You have to do it. Cause yeah. If you don't, you know,
0: be, be who dares and all that. It's very true, mate. Like you say, as long as you go about it in the right way, you just got to understand, mate, we're in a capitalist society. You've got to look after yourself. Because Lee said the same. He goes, yeah, you'd nod and say, you're right, mate, but they're not paying your fucking bills. So you've got to do what's right for you, haven't you? So... Yeah.
2: The thing as well, I think uh, there are people out there that you, you know think you're a twat. <laughs> you see each other in the street or
1: you see each other in the club and you're like best friends. Yeah. Like,
2: you're right, they're twat. You know, you have to, I suppose, like people in, in, you know, in positions like Lee. Uh, I've, I've been there, you know, you have to be liked by everyone, you have to look to see to
1: like everyone, whether you think they're alright or not. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, such a different commanding um,
2: position because everybody thinks you're your best mate because you have to show that. <laughs> yeah, when, but when they're all stood outside and it's pissing no the rain, it's freezing cold and their birds soaking wet, they're looking at you like...
0: Gonna get me in and it's just like, you know, you have you, gotta be ruthless. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's to true. Right. Yeah. Am- stuff <laughs> you. yeah, but you know, man, yeah, no, you know The the, like, the amount of times um obviously it's not it's not even my brand, but because of like the artist liaison work that I do at lab eleven and, you know, doing a bit of promoting for, for Will Park and Parking in Shorters at After Dark I go outside to collect an artist and people would be like, Callum, Callum and I'd just be like trying to act like I didn't know who in, because they just think, Oh yeah, I can get them in. It's oh, like mate, it's not how it works, yeah. man. You you know, it's But then but then they've got the hobby yeah, you then. Know, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: know. <laughs> I know. I know. I may, imagine that though, and it's a tri- pretty
0: short event. Yeah. <laughs> I'll leave, I'll leave that to them. lot. Like, I'll say just te- text yeah. shorters or text Will. Yeah. <laughs> but the next morning you're getting all the bullshit from him, like, Yeah he's got texts, it's quite funny. <laughs> Don't be sad that. <laughs> I bet, mate. But uh, a couple of funny stories on the way now. I mean, to be fair, there's already been a few already, especially with that career trip. But um, so I have had a conversation with Mr. Harrison and um, he mentioned the time when I think you were both out in Ibiza circa 2011 for Rock and Roller and you'd all got steaming and it involves him being sick. So if you'd like to elaborate on that story. I
2: <laughs> <laughs> there's an extension to this story uh, okay so we' all uh, I've never been to a vis in we all say there was needed crocket um later. few there's a few of us and uh we all went down to Bora Bora and we were all drinking sangria smash smashed it was like three in the afternoon sunburn and uh me, me, We were all sat around, and we, we were all like on our phones, messaging people. Like, oh, you bet you wish you was there. And that, I was gonna work. With, I was gonna work with this girl. She was gonna, uh, she was gonna do a vocal like a track I made. So I'm sat in the, I'm smashed. I'm sat on the beach. I'm, 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 you know, responding to people. And I put this picture up, and then she's put, oh, you know, um, looks amazing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, you should come. Right. So that was that. We carry on drinking sangria. We leave, we go and get in a taxi. Lee is literally Lee can't like he'll table can have this floor, he can't. But literally he'll have like three beers and he's gotta go and start throw up. He has to do it. I've never known anyone throw up as much as Lee I recently. And this one's like I'm in the back of the taxi, Lee's in the front I believe. And he's hanging out the the, the, driver's, uh, the passenger window, and he's just been sick all over all three of us. It was like an in-betweener, it, like it was horrendous. And we're like, 20 minutes from, from the villa, it's red up, we're all steaming, we all need a drink, and then we're all sitting there with these sick, all like, honestly, it's disgusting. <laughs> it. so, so the story, as I said, it gets better. So... W- we all go We all go back to the villa. Like I say, it's a typical thing. You know, with the lads, you all go and get smashed on the first day. Six o'clock in the afternoon, we've all gone to sleep. I woke up at night, my phone's ringing, ringing, ringing. I look, got about 50 missed calls, and this girl I'm talking about <laughs> is at the airport. <laughs> when you come in to pick me up,
1: and I'm like, fuck. Aww. I just got there that day, a so lads, week. <laughs> You know what I mean? We're all
0: together. We were, we were doing rock and roll at the time, I think. And, uh, You've had a shocker there, mate. You have had a shocker with that. I'm
2: like, lads, so guess what's happened? And they're like, what the fuck, man? So let's go and get her, and she's like, so, well, tent's wheeling all week. <laughs> I'm just like, Watch your <laughs> If you're watching this, it was fun.
0: Oh, no, it God.
2: He was, was a good story. It was a good story. I bet, mate. So, yes, it's a bit of an awkward one, really. Yeah, so, I it's bet. Great, lads. You.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've never come across that where there's like a random bird that's shown up on a lad's holiday and just kind of like followed the crowd. That's mad, that is. Just turned up in the beta so
2: like, you know <laughs> no, a beta, there and it's so out of like... It was sarcasm, I bet.
0: Uh. <laughs> I bet she was buzzing when you turned up like as red as a beetroot covered in knees sick. <laughs> no, we don't have a shower by <laughs> I think we had. Funny. <laughs> times,
2: man. That was, a, that was a good week. That was a
0: good holiday, that was. I bet, mate. What, what are some of the other standout stories? Because I am mindful of the fact that obviously you've got Lou, your missus and Romy and she'll, Romy will probably watch this back in 10 years and think, Dad, I can't believe you did that back in the day. Like, What, what are the other kind of stats, standout moments from over the years hopefully, where... Hopefully, hopefully that doesn't happen.
2: Um... Oh, God. What else? I'm trying to think, mate. What
0: else? We've done. Um... Oh, God. you caught me there. What about the Birmingham ones? Like, you know, to to narrow it down, what about, like, your spin days and your rock and roller and that? I bet there's some stories from then. Oh, mate, I mean...
2: This is the problem. It's like how... It's like how, how... how far they'll go. Do you know what I mean? Like there, there are, there's, there's things I just can't talk about. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just can't talk about them. Um, <laughs> you're, I'm sweating now. Honestly, I'm sweating. I don't know what to, I don't know what's sad. <laughs> no, I mean, there, there a lot. I mean, I'd, I'd say probably like if someone said, I'm picking funny story. I'd probably go back to that South Korea one. Um, where uh, I stand up in camo troves and Star Wars t-shirt.
0: How did that come about, though, that gig? How did that gig actually come about? Because um, that is... Well, there's a club called Club Oxygen, and uh, Alex
2: Schmitz has played there a few times, and uh, the, the club's phenomenal, like, it's ridiculous. Um, Jessica Alba was, was there um, in one of the booths one night. No. She came down, that's for my CD. <laughs> and I was just like... Someone said, do you know that... It, Jessica, I was like, what? And uh, and, she, and she went, Have you got a CD? And I was like, No, I want to go to Schmitz's CD. He went, you go. <laughs> but, uh, but but that was like a club used to play. But they, they did they did like a spin-off thing of like the World DJ Festival, and that uh, it was that basically, and they they invited us all over. Yeah. And it uh, was like all honestly amazing. They, they don't drink over there. They, sorry, yeah, they, yeah. They don't drink over there. They they drink like Red Bull. And, and it's weird. I've never seen people drunk off Red Bull, but they're all like, it's like they're all dead on the floor. There's a tent where they're all just lying down. Because, I don't know, it's weird. Mad. They just don't drink. It's mad. And then, like, you've got all these people, like, saying a tent it's not the first aid tent. you like, what's everyone doing? It's because they're drinking Red Bull. It's like they're drunk, <laughs> almost. Very,
0: very okay, bizarre. Now. But again, I mean, if you get a chance, anyone watching this, type in Ruja, South Korea, and you will see. A mental video of a load of mental Koreans. Honestly, I've never seen people jump so high. The Mad. Moment. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, that's, that's
2: probably. I mean, that is
0: quite a funny. Think about it. That is quite a funny story. Yeah, yeah. Uh, stuff I just can't. I just can't talk about. Nah, nah, of course, mate. That's yeah, why. That's <laughs> why. To be fair, whenever I've had guests on, I do you think you know what they're. They have got partners, they have got kids, and they've got other business interests, so I can't drop you in it too much, otherwise it doesn't, doesn't bode very well. <laughs> but, oh, I'm so... Funny, mate. But um, it's funny you say about Jessica Alba, like, you know, those random celebrity encounters. I had a guy called Habs Akraman last weekend who used to do the personal visuals for Carl Cox, and he was saying when he was doing Carl Cox's visuals at space, obviously you'd have, like, next-level celebrities knocking around there. Is it yeah. Carl's tour manager turned around when he was doing the lights to one night? He goes, Oh, mate, it's that small geezer behind you. And he's like, Yeah, who the fuck's that? Turn around, fucking Lionel Messi stood behind him, watching him do the visuals. Mad, mate. He said the other one as well, before we move on to the, the final two questions. Um, Paris Hilton, I think, was going out with a DJ at the time, and like, Was it Afro Jack or something like that? Uh, yeah. Finish with him, and then she rocked up with her entourage. Tried getting in the booth, and Habs was like, nah, get fucked up, like, you're not coming in yeah. here. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Funny, man. Funny. I with Arthur Jack uh, at Crusher.
2: Yeah. Um, amazing, mate. What a DJ. Mm. What a DJ. And his music as well. At the time, it was very uh, rock and roller-esque. His music was, that was kind of the sound of rock and roll that was. Yeah, yeah. great, great
0: DJ. Class, mate. From all the different things... Um, you've like played your hand out over the year. What would you say are the three biggest achievements that really stand out for your or proudest moments? Um, can I classify me as one of them? Like, now of I'm, course, 100%, mate. Absolutely, absolutely. 100%, mate, my number one best achievement in life? Is is, is my little girl, hundred percent, hands down. Um, yeah, life changer.
2: She, she You know, you think you think you know what love is. And then a little girl comes along. Yeah, yeah. Nothing nothing like it. Keeps me straight and narrow. Keeps me positive. Keeps me motivated. 100%. I'd say just achieving everything I wanted to achieve uh, in the in the club industry because essentially that's my passion. You know, that's where uh, my my my. But you know, that's my beginning.
1: So I'll never forgive that. I'll never forget that. And I wouldn't be doing what I do now without that. Yeah. I've done all the stuff I've done, with, you know, playing all the places I've played, Greenfields, you know,
2: being asked to play there for like the last three years. It's just, like, mind-blowing, really. It's, yeah. it's something I look back at when I was younger. Uh, I always used to think, imagine what to liked at Greenfields, and now I, I, I do. Uh, we are a festival, and, like I say, all the stuff and running events over there. It's just, you know, you look back and it's just very, very mind-blowing. It's i did I really do that? Yeah. Um, and I suppose the third one is, is being able to employ over 200 people. Um, mm. You know, I've been employed and, I, and, I, and I've been an employer, you, know, you know, I'm an employer now. And I don't know, I just think, you know, that responsibility, uh, especially during these times as well, um, i like people to think that we're doing all we can to keep people. Uh, happy to to, to make sure we keep checking up on people. Yeah. give them as much money as as we possibly can to keep them going because it's not all about us staying afloat, it's also about knowing what they're going through as well. Yeah, of course, mate. Yeah. Uh, And just, you know, with every business we we reopen as well, one of the biggest positives I always look at, because you always do a a, a for and against, and the for is always at the top, we're going to offer jobs to people in the local area. Yeah, of it's, course. You know, it's good. I like. I like. To, I like to get people with the same passion and, and fire that I've got for the businesses
0: we've got. Because if you've got people who love their job, you're going to have an amazing workforce. So definitely, I'd say probably, yeah, the, the 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 200 people we we uh, we employ across the businesses. No, it's quality mate. But it's Massively rewarding, isn't it? Being able to yeah, to do yeah. that for sure. It's man, so. Yeah. But I suppose that that ties in nicely to to the last question with um you having Romy and, and settling down in the last few years is, is that what's kind of given you that extra drive and motivation because like you say looking back from the start of the podcast and the start of your life with you know like you say you, your mum and your dad tried their best in the circumstances and the environment yeah. to to do what they could for for you um and your you got siblings you got brothers and sisters have you yeah I
2: got little, I got I've got a little brother who's thirty three yeah. <laughs> Me yeah. yeah mad uh,
0: yeah. but um yeah like ha- having your daughter and obviously your partner as well is that giving you like that that extra hunger and fire to your belly to just keep on pushing on and be yeah. able to provide yeah, yeah. i mean i vowed, i've, had, I've had no more business just before uh rome was born and i'll never forget the moment she came they
2: always say that you're never ever going to be prepared for the moment you first see you you know you've mm. as soon as i saw her had this overwhelming fear of she. You're responsible for her welfare. You're responsible for her upbringing. Mm. And if you if you don't bring the money in, if you you know if you can't provide, you know what I mean? And I was yeah. Just like, oh my god. <laughs> From that then, I think is when I was really like chomping mm. at the bits of getting Derby open and and then, uh, like I say, making the moves up. It's quite weird, like I was kind of running, when when Romy was on the way and I was pregnant, I was kind of, um, you know, just, just sort of running that cruise control, I suppose. Mm. And all of a sudden, I'm like, start reading, when I know she's on, you know, she's coming, I'm like, I start looking into things, and I'm like, right, that's not working. You've got to, and I started start seeing things all, you know, very differently. And yeah. um, I suppose, yeah, for, for, for what I see now is,
0: I want her to have the best of everything, so everything I do now really is for her and her, uh, yeah, her, 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 upbringing, I suppose. So, yeah. yeah, that's quality, mate. It's a very nice way to end as well, and I'm sure post COVID it'll be even more successful, mate. But uh, yeah. sure, we can link up for a, a beer, of Moretti, mate. I know that's one of your favourite beers, and uh, get Lee Harrison down for a lime and soda as well. We're fucking it. <laughs> just imagine, mate, like the, the, the grand launch of uh, Funky Bear, Solly Hull, and Lee's just throwing up over everyone. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. yeah. But let's just, let's just not uh, jokingly invite women
0: in here. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, mate. But now it's, um, that's 104 minutes, Ru, and I think we've literally covered everything, mate. There. Happy days, mate. Nice Happy one. Happy days. No, it's been good. All I'd just like to say as well is,
2: uh, obviously, through these, let's be honest, hard, shit trying times... Everyone just try to remain positive. Better days are coming. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm sure that we're uh, we're all going to get through it. Um, yeah. And we'll all be able to do what we get back to doing what we do and love best. Yeah. Very 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 soon. And if anyone ever ever, because I get a lot of people whenever I say oh, I'm going to do a Q&A. Q&A. As soon as I announced it, I started getting messages. <laughs> I start thinking, well, i just done that. I'm not really doing too much anymore. Yeah. But if anyone ever has any questions, I do get a lot of people contact me through Instagram more than anything, really. Yeah. Asking questions,
0: advice about fatherhood, about business, about anything generally, really. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an approachable guy, and I've always got time, so yeah. whenever I can get paid back to people, and right now I'll we'll probably appreciate it more than ever, anyone wants any advice, I'll do my absolute best to be Yeah, quality mate. Got a bonus question, actually. My my old man's a massive Man United fan and he goes, he goes, oh, that Roge, he goes, I've seen that picture of him and Jack Grealish, he goes, because my old man's been watching United probably since, I mean, he was born in 1961 and he was going from like late 60s, my old man was. Yeah. And he goes, ask him what he thinks about that Jack Grealish. Do, does he reckon he's in the same league as Paul Scholes? Is that who's just Nah, nah, nah my, Mate, my old man The only thing he knows how to use Is fucking Paddy Power on his iPad He doesn't know how to use anything else the only That's all he knows how to use so he, he's saying, oh, um, he's in the picture of you and Jack, Jack. Grealish with that, that interior design that you were doing. And He goes, oh, he's a good player. He goes, I'll give him his due, because my old man's proper, like, old school. So oh, he yeah. goes, oh, I'll give him his due. He, he's, a, he's a good little player. He goes, but is he in the same league as Paul Scholes? I said, I'll ask oh, him for man. you, Dad. I'll ask Jack's him. Jack's not in Paul Scholes' league. He's in a, he's in a whole
2: league of his own, <laughs> You know what I mean? Listen, I'm not, I'm not just being biased now, but uh, Jack is... A formidable footballer player. We, I mean, we've all been watching him. I go down to the games with the lads, Crockett and, and Lee and, and all the boys. And we've been watching him now come through the ranks. So I actually saw Jack, me and Nathan, Nathan RG, uh, Jack's present. Yeah. Um, I went to watch Jack play against uh, Arsenal when he was about,
0: probably about nine or ten, I think. I might be wrong there, but I think he was about nine or ten. Yeah. I'll never forget,
2: against Sponnie East, And he went, who is it? He went, over he there. so small at the time. And it was just this, this little player walking around the pitch, hands, I think, down his shorts, <laughs> walking around. And I was like, don't move very much, does he? And all was against the ball. Yeah. And was was about three players, four players, and six in the top corner. I'm not joking, like, we stand a lot. I was like, Jesus Christ, he's got a bit, isn't And then, obviously, you know, you're, you're listening to what people are talking about at the ground, and you hear people talking about Jack. You know, I don't really follow the kids too much. When I, when I started, you know, started, you start. hear when someone's coming through and they're looking like a, a serious bat, and he was getting talked about a lot. And then, we, so obviously, we go down to all the games, so we've watched him, in, you know, from, from his debut to, to, to now, mm. and we've seen what he can do, and obviously, you
1: now he's got a bit older, and he's bulked up a bit. And
0: yeah. You know, people underestimate, like, Jack's a big lad. You don't, mm. you don't look at him on, on screen, but when you sat next to him, he's a big lad, he's, and, he, you know, he's got a strength now, and honestly... The yeah.
2: stuff that that lad can do, and how he's so he he single-handedly for me got us promoted. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The amount of times he turned games on their head, for me, that puts him way
0: above anyone. I mean, name me. A, okay, name me a better player in the Premiership right now. It's hard one, mate. To be fair, it is it is a hard one in terms of. Uh, Bruno Fernandes. Yeah, f- f- yeah. F- Fernandez is up there. Obviously, I like, say. So a different kind of player, but I mean, I know that there's good players in the Villa squad and there's good players in the United squad, but like you say, the likes of Fernandez and Grealish, they're the ones that stand out in a squad yeah. of, like, decent players. I mean, de- is De Bruyne a fit at the minute? He's not, he's But again, I mean, yeah. De Bruyne, again, is a, is a very special player. Yeah, yeah. That's the sort of player that, as a neutral, you want to watch. Yeah, of course. What it does, mate, such
2: an exciting, you know, player. And you know what, getting to the Euros this summer and you watch what it is.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say is, like, the Euros, this is probably the first time. So, obviously, I wasn't even born when Italia United was around, you know, like, your your Gazas. I mean, Gazza is still probably my favourite England player of all time. But, like, that England squad, like, because of the chemistry, you looked and thought, got a chance of winning this. But since then, you know, the, the, the squads that England have had over the years, it's, it's been an injustice to people like you, me, everyone else that loves yeah. the football. You think you've let yourselves down really, lads, because you yeah. cared more about the club football instead of coming together during the World Cups and the Euros to actually think, you know what, put the differences aside with chasing the Premier League. We want to bring a trophy home. But I think because the chemistry seems to be a lot better... Between these lads, hopefully Southgate pulls his finger out of his arse, gets some decent tactics and takes the right players <laughs> with him, but... I mean, I mean, look at, look at, you know, you're talking about the, the glory days, you know, when we've
2: come close in the World Cups and mm. Euros. Look, Paul Gascoigne, you mentioned the name. Tell me, since, since Paul Gascoigne, whenever we had a player of that caliber?
0: None. And None. Maybe, I mean, potentially team Rooney, team. but he never... He was good, but he never, was... He, yeah, he was good, but he was never... Uh, I think it was Euro 2004 when he burst on, didn't he? And he scored a couple of goals. But after that, it was... Yeah, it wasn't anywhere near Gaza's level. More. The thing with Jack,
2: mate, I mean, like, I've never, ever seen a player... The ball just hits his feet. You know, like, it's mental, like mm. what he does with the football. And we see week in, week out. People only see you know, what they see on match of the day unless there's a game. There's so much you don't see of what he does and the way his movement and... and yeah There's no player Like Jack Reddish In the Premier League Yeah And now he's in the
0: England enterprise. You watch what we do In the Euros Yeah, yeah. Come on England <laughs> Definitely mate But uh, yeah Really appreciate Your time Rooks I know you're a busy man And I've taken a good Good part of your evening Here mate So nice one Thank you No I've enjoyed it Do you know what mate I've hardly used Any of these notes
2: Yeah well, honestly, I had all these notes laid out, And I'm probably
0: Going to read back And go Oh, Why did I talk about that Yeah Nah <laughs> nice one mate man. Take care of yourself. Right. See you soon. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Uh, thanks for looking. Listen, everyone. Ciao.